How many have been blessed so far? Let me hear you say amen. Amen. Before we begin, I wanted to um, just take a little quick survey. And the last time I was here, we talked about seeing God's thoughts and feelings. Remember that? And how our thoughts affect our feelings and how our feelings actually affect how we actually treat people and how we may hurt people in our own homes, our husbands, our wives, our children, because how we feel, right? And that's based before that how we think. And so our thoughts is very important. So we want to have what kind of thoughts? Bad thoughts or good thoughts? Good thoughts. And then I challenge you, just like Daniel had a fast for 10 days, to have a negativity fast. Remember that? And that ended on Tuesday. So I just want to know and see how many of you tried the negativity fast and you actually, let me see hands, how many tried a negative, negativity fast? In, in some way or another, you tried it. And how many felt that you actually saw a difference from having a fast of seeing negative things? Let me see hands. Let me see a difference in your life, a little bit. <laughs> a few of you? <laughs> what is that? How many of us failed? Oh, failed. <laughs> how many of you? <laughs> How many a little bit kind of went on a, didn't make it so much on your negative, negativity fast? You cheated. <laughs> so, I know it's so easy, right, to go, because you're so addicted to negativity, aren't we, in this world? So to go back and to follow that pattern. So, but how many see the, see the importance of having positive thoughts and good thoughts in your life? Let me, let me hear you say amen. amen. And you see the difference that when you have the positive thoughts, there are positive feelings, right? And then there were actually um, how you treated your family, your, your, fellow, your friends, your husband, your wife, your children, or even your parents. You had good attitude. You weren't moody or grumpy or you actually lost your temper or whatever. You didn't do that because you had um, positive thoughts, right? So don't we need positive thoughts this morning? Amen? Amen. So uh, praise God for the sharing of positive testimonies and praising God this morning. The sermon entitled this morning is, as you continue this series, entitled... The series entitled, The Ultimate Love Story. The fifth sermon in this series entitled, The Power of Love. The Power of Love. And I invite you to turn with me to our opening text in your Bibles to Mark chapter 12, verse 29 to 30. Mark chapter 12, verse 29 to 30. And by the way, after Daniel tested the, the fast for 10 days and he saw there was a difference in his life, he continued on that fast forever right amen so not only for 10 days but keep trying keep striving for that negativity fast and focus on the only the positive things in this life and you don't know there's a change in your relationships with people you don't know you have a positive relationship with god you're going to be happier and inspiration tells us that those who put god first last and best are the happiest people in this world amen and god's people should be the happiest people in this world Mark chapter 12, verse 29. Every single person within this world, within their souls, have a need, whether you realize it or not this morning, you have a need. And today this need is recognized within this world. For though even people have searched the world over, the still the cry goes out in their hearts. The cry goes out, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Is that not true? Even though people today, 
Though they may make a lot of money and achieve the financial dreams that they wanted, the heart still are declaring, I still can't get no satisfaction. Is that not true? Even though people have become popular and well-known, their soul still burns within them. We were meant to live for so much more. There is and always has been a longing in the heart of every single person in this world for something more, something better. And you felt it, right? Something better in this world. And that longing of the soul is the voice of God to the heart this morning, beloved. Amen? Amen. Though people realize it or not. So this morning as we hear God's calling of love to our souls, may we be able to truly respond. Let us pray. Father, as the word is open, help us to respond to this love, to realize our need of love. In Jesus' name, amen. Who are we to love? Mark chapter 12, verse 29. Know what the Bible says? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. In other words, we ought to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? You see, God wouldn't ask us to love him if, number one, the capability to love him was not there, right? In other words, God made us to love him. And if we do not love him, not only love him, but to love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So if that capability is within all of us, he wouldn't ask us to do something if we could not do it, right? So he asked us to do it. Now, this is the point is this. If we do not love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, there will always be a void within your heart this morning, beloved. Amen? And if you do not fill that void with the love of God in your heart, and loving Him, not only in loving Him, but in all the heart, mind, soul, and strength, you would try and fill that void with everything else there is in this world, thinking that that is what your heart is looking for, but it's not really. Right, beloved? And so this void of loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength is not there. So though you try and fill it out with music, or movies, or entertainment, or money, or popularity, right? Is that not true? But those things will not fulfill you. And you will be empty and void until you come to the point in your walk that you fulfill this promise in the Word, that you finally come to the point of loving God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul and your strength, beloved. Amen? What else are we to love God with? Who else are we to love? Mark 12, verse 31, the Bible says, the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love others as you love yourself. You see, not only did God create the human being with a capability to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But within every single one of us is a void within us to love each other as we love ourselves. Isn't that true? So the same way is true also. If we do not love others with this love that's from heaven, 
we also will experience that void within our own selves and possibly even die. You know, in modern science, is a known fact that, you know, babies, it, they did experiments actually from World War II, and actually, you know, about, you heard about this, right, and monkeys, right, in modern science. Well, they fed the babies, they, they took care of the babies, but one thing they did was they did not give them any human contact, no love. Do you know what happened to these babies? Does anyone remember? They either they grew very slowly or the babies even died. Even though they had all the food they needed, all the warmth, all the necessities and cleaning and diapers and everything, if they did not have love, these babies died. This fact reveals the truth that without love, loving each other, we cannot survive in this world, beloved. Amen? There must be interaction. There must be love. And so God created us to love Him. And there's a void in our heart if we do not love Him. People do not realize that. They're looking for everything in this world but the love of God. And then not only that, but to love each other as God loves us. People are looking for everything else but to love one another, not realizing that this love is the very thing that gives us life in this world, beloved. Amen? God knew what he, when He created us. He knew, He knows what we need. This manual of the human body reveals to us what we need physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually this morning, beloved. Amen? And that is to love. We were created with a need to love and to be loved this morning, beloved. Amen? Now, let's look at relationship of love. Turn to John chapter 3, verse 35. John chapter 3, verse 35. Who does God the Father love? John chapter 3, verse 35. You know what the Bible says? Let's look at a, a perfect example of love. The Bible says, the Father loves who? The Son. Okay, now God the Father loves Jesus Christ, His Son. So God loves His Son. Now I'll turn to John chapter 14, verse 31. Just a few chapters down. John chapter 14, verse 31. Who does Jesus love? Notice the Bible says, but that the world may know that I, Jesus, love who? The Father. the Father. So God the Father loves the Son, Jesus, but also Jesus loves the Father. If there's an example of what love truly is, is the relationship between the Father and the Son. For in order to love to exist, and this is important, there must be at least two people. True? People now. You cannot love by yourself. You can't be this, you're by yourself and have true love. There cannot be. You must be a two people. You see, the definition of love is other-centeredness. We're going to break down what love really is. Other-centeredness. And so in order for love to be love, it must, first of all, and on your handouts, love must begin with oneself and end with another person. Is that not true? Right? Amen? So you begin with yourself, and you end with someone else, and that is the true definition of, of love. Now, sin is the other opposite of love. Is it not true? Which is self-centeredness. So what is sin? If it begins with you, and it goes, and it comes back, and ends with you, without going to anyone else, it's just you, 
then that is self-centeredness, and that is the true definition of sin. Do you see that? But true love is that if it begins with you and ends with someone else, that is love. That is other-centeredness. That is unselfishness. That is love according to the Word of God. And so in this relationship between God the Father and Jesus, God loved, it began with Him, God the Father, and ended with His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus loved the Father. It began, his love began with the Son, Jesus, and it ended with the Father, and that is love. Other-centeredness. It was not selfish. It was not self-centeredness. It was other-centeredness. If that's clear, let me hear you say amen. Amen? amen. Okay, let's, let's move on. Now, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29. Now we learn that we need to love others as we love ourselves. That's what the Bible says, right? Ephesians 5, verse 29. Now we need to love others as we love ourselves, right? That's what the Bible says. So, but do we need to love ourselves more in order to love others? So in other words, do we have to have more love and love me, love me, love me more so I can get to the level so I can love others, right? I mean, you heard that before, right? But let's see what the Bible has to say. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 29. Notice what the Bible says. For no man ever yet hated his own what? Flesh or life. No man has ever yet what? How many men does it say here? No. That's 100%. So according to the Bible, God says that no one has ever yet hated his own flesh. In other words, we automatically love ourselves. Are you following me? Let's read it again. No man ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherishes their own flesh, even as the Lord the church. Every man automatically loves themselves. In other words, what the Bible says to love others as you love yourself, you're to love others as you already love yourself this morning, beloved. So the Bible says, love others because you already love yourself. There's already a natural propensity to love self, to put self first, right? Before others. That's already natural within the sinful human nature to love yourself. So God says he wants to give you a new heart, a new heart of love that's not going to start with you and end with you, but it's going to start with you and end with someone else. That is a true definition of love this morning. Now let's look at the definition of esteeming one another, self-esteem. Turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Right, the next book. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Who are we to esteem? You know what the Bible says here? The Bible says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness, lowliness of mind, let each esteem self Better than others. Is that what it says? Is that what the Bible says? No, the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say esteem self better than others. The Bible says, let each esteem who? Others better than what? Themselves. Self. Hmm. So, according to the Bible, the Bible teaches that we are not to have a self esteem of esteeming self better than others, right? But in other words, it's the opposite. We all have to other esteem of esteeming others better than ourselves. Isn't that not true? According to the Word of God this morning. Now, you know that in the many teachings of today, you have been taught to have a self-esteem. But the self-esteem that teaches that you are to think of yourself better than others is not biblical, but in fact is called sin. 
Now let's look at this. Look at the handout here. Um, Faith I Live By, page 155. Talking about self-centeredness, um, sin, every characteristic of selfishness, self-love, self-esteem, every act of self-indulgence will bring forth a like harvest. He who lives for self is sowing to the flesh, and of the flesh he will reap corruption. Now we know that the terms is not really what determines what is right or wrong, right? It's what's behind those terms. So if you believe that self-esteem is more of a biblical role of um, not putting yourself better than others, that's fine. I'm not so much caught up in the term self-esteem or whatever. But if your term of understanding of self-esteem was based upon you putting yourself above others and putting them down, then that is against the word of God this morning. And what is normally taught within our schools and within our Christian curriculums is that our self-worth is based upon how much we think we are better than others. But beloved, no one is better than another, right? Beloved, we are all equal and on the same level, beloved. Amen? No one is better than another person. Then if our self-worth is not based upon me comparing myself with other people and putting other people down so I can feel better about myself, where do I get my self-worth then from? You're going to get it from somewhere, right? Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. You see, God wants us to have a self-worth about ourselves, a self-respect about ourselves. We need to have that. And if we don't get it from God, we're going to get it from something else. So we want to find where we're going to get this self-respect or self-worth. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. Notice what the Bible says. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed or purchased with corruptible things as silver and gold or with money from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. In other words, you weren't purchased or bought with, with gold and silver, with money. You weren't bought with material things. Then what were we bought with? Notice what the Bible says here. But you were purchased or redeemed with the precious blood of who? Christ. And as a lamb without blemish and without spot. In other words, we were purchased with the very life of Jesus Christ this morning, beloved. Amen? You see, how valuable something is, is based upon how much you pay for it, right? If you have a painting that you paid $100 for, $50. It's valuable to you somewhat. But if someone gave you a painting that they paid $7 million for, how valuable is that painting now? Much more valuable. And the Word of God says that you as a person, your self-worth, your self-respect is not based upon how you putting down someone else so you can feel better about yourself. But your self-worth this morning is based upon the very life of divinity itself this morning, beloved. Amen? You are worth so much to God that God himself would buy you back with his very blood, his own life on the cross of Calvary. Are you not worth infinitely more than putting down anyone in this whole world or putting down the whole world so you can feel better. Your worth is based upon the love of divinity and the life of divinity itself. And that's how much pressure you are to God is money. Amen? Amen? 
You're precious to God. Your worth jumps up in value to the value of the divinity of life itself. Life of divinity, beloved. And when you understand this love of the, your, how much God purchased you for and how valuable you really are, you will feel no need to compare yourself with another person, right? Beloved, amen? You will see everyone as being equal. You don't have to put anyone down or different. There will be no race wars, right? Ethnic wars. There will be no killings and murderings and putting down of different, even genders or whatever it may be. Everyone would be equal because you're not dependent upon comparing yourself with others, but dependent upon how God sees you this morning, beloved. Amen? But because the world do not know God, because the world does not know the cross and the love that God has for them, then they have nothing else to do but put themselves up by putting down other people. And that's why we have a message, beloved. Amen? That we are precious and people out there are precious. And who did Jesus die for? Did he just die for Christians who go to church? In other words, before we even believe Christ died for everyone in this whole world, in other words, the message to the world is this, that even if you do not believe God still died for you, you still are precious to God, and the value of your body, your life, is as precious and valuable as divinity is itself, beloved. Amen? To everyone in this whole world, that's how much God loves Everyone in this world, what a God we serve, beloved. Amen? We serve an almighty God this morning. Now let's look at repentance. How did Paul define repentance? Acts chapter 26, verse 20. Acts chapter 26, verse 20. What is the biblical definition of the word repentance? Know what the Bible says here in verse 20. But showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem, and throughout all the coasts of Judea and to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to who? God and do works meet for repentance. In other words, they were to repent and turn to God. So when you turn to something, you're turning away. That means you must be turning away from something else. And what are we turning away from when we're turning to God? What do you, what do you think we're turning away from? Self, right? So repentance is turning away from, according to the Bible, turning away from self to God. Now look at your handout here. On the bottom quote from Mount of Blessings, it says exactly what this Bible text said. Repentance is turning from self to Christ. Therefore, to repent means to turn away from loving yourself, which is sin, self-centeredness, to loving God and to loving others, right? Is that clear? Does that make sense? Returning from self to loving God and to loving others. Because when you love God, you will love others. Okay, now understand that. Let's look at my favorite verse, as you know, is Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Let's look at it in the interpretation that we've been studying for the last several sermons and also bringing in today. Romans 2, verse 4. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads thee to repentance, right? So God's goodness leads us to repent. Now, what is other definitions we learn in Exodus chapter 34 besides character? God's character is, I mean, God's goodness is his what? Character, what else? His name, what else? 
his glory, right? So that's God's, that's God's goodness. So God's goodness is his character. So we can say the character of God leads us to repentance, right? Is that true? Now the last sermon, character, as we learn, is one's what? Thoughts and feelings, right? Character is one's thoughts and feelings. So in other words, as we see the thoughts and feelings of God, the thoughts and feelings, how God feels about you, his thoughts and feelings of love, how God thinks about you, how God feels about you. When you see God's thoughts and feelings of love, that will bring you to repentance, right? We learned that, amen? One step further today. Repentance is turning from self, loving self to loving others. In other words, so when we see God's thoughts of love toward me, when I see God, how he thinks and how he feels about his love about me, when I see that, it turns my mind from loving myself to loving him and loving others. Is that clear? Amen? So that's why it's important that we must see, we must think about, so we can feel the love that God has for us, that we can turn from loving ourselves to loving Christ. Now look at your handout here on the bottom of the first page. Just kind of bring it together. And this is a, basically a foundational message of God's love. But when you see God's thoughts and feelings of love, we will turn from loving ourselves for loving Christ. You see, you cannot of your own self force yourself to love Christ. It is impossible. You cannot of your own self force yourself to love others. It is completely impossible. The only way that you can love God and thus turn from loving yourself and being selfish to being unselfish, which is, which is love. The only way you can do that is that you must first see the thoughts and feelings of a God who loves you this morning, beloved. Amen? And not this intellectually understanding, but you must, those thoughts must become real, and then you must experience the thoughts and feelings of God toward you. When you experience that love that God has toward you, you will be repent, you will turn from loving yourself and being a selfish person to be a loving and most unselfish person dependent upon the picture of the God who is unselfish, beloved. Amen? When you see the unselfishness on the cross of Calvary, it will transform your mind to the thoughts and feelings of love and it will change your life. We turn from repentance of loving you to loving other people. Don't, isn't that what God's church needs today, beloved? Amen? We must see God's thoughts and feelings and those thoughts and feelings are revealed here in this word right here, beloved. Amen? You must open your mind and look through every passage and see what God revealed to me, your thoughts and feelings of love, so that I may experience true repentance in my life this morning. On the back of the page, let's continue on in just different terms. If we see God's thoughts and feelings of love, we will turn from self-centeredness to other-centeredness. That's what it is, right? Self-centeredness is sin. Other-centeredness is love. See God's thoughts and feelings of love, we will turn from selfishness to unselfishness. People are selfish because they have not seen the love and unselfishness of Jesus Christ. We are selfish because we have not truly seen the unselfishness and love of Jesus Christ. If we see it, we'll become unselfish, just like Jesus. The last one, if we see God's thoughts and feelings of love for you and me, we will turn from sin to love. Because think about it. Every sin that's done is for self, right? Is it not? That's the true definition. It's not just an external behavior act that you did. It's mainly because 
it was for your own self, selfish pleasure that you wanted to do, right? That is what sin is. Knowing what is sin, now that we learn what sin and the definition of love is, let's look at love a little bit more. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 in your Bibles. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. How are we able to love God? Notice the Bible says here. We love him, God, because he, God, what? First loved us. The only way we're able to love God is by first experiencing his love that he has for us this morning, beloved. Amen? That's the only way that we can love God. In other words, we love God only because he first loved us. And that love that he gives to us, and we see that love, it awakens and stirs up a love that was not in you before to awaken, come alive, to respond in loving him back. And that's why, look at your handout here, Desire of Ages, page 22. Only by love is love awakened. Amen? You cannot love God on your own. Somebody say, you need to love God. Well, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to try my hardest to love this God. But you cannot love God. You can only love God when you see his love. And that love that you see will finally awaken within your heart a love to love him back. And then you will love others. And you cannot love other people. Though people may mistreat you, do wicked and evil things to you, lies or whatever, you cannot love them. It's only when God, you see the love God has for you, it awakens the love within you to love him back and to love other people. You cannot force yourself to love people, no matter how hard you try. There have been story after story of someone loving a certain person, and this person somehow, no matter how hard they tried, they could never love this person back. And you cannot force yourself to love someone. You can only, your heart can only be melted by seeing the love of God, which will awaken love for the other person. Love can only be awakened. Only by love is love awakened this morning. If that's clear, let me hear you say amen. Amen? amen. Now, so as you look at the handout, it says, See God's love for us. It awakens love, us to love Him, and also awakens us to love other people this morning. Now, how do we get to love God. 1 John 4, verse 7. Look at same chapter, but verse 7. How do we get to love God? The Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not doesn't know God, for God is what? Love. If you don't love God, that means you don't know God. If you know God, that means you will love Him. So that's why, you look at your handout here in the last quote, it says, to know God is to love Him this morning, beloved. Amen? Amen. To know God is to love Him. Beloved, if you know God, you will love Him this morning, beloved. Amen? Amen. If you truly knew God, if our understanding of and picture of God was truly there, we would love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Beloved, amen? 
And the fact that this is not in place within my life and your life this morning is clear proof that you do not have a full understanding what this God who is love, who he really is. Is that not true? So somehow a picture has been distorted as we've been studying here. Somehow something's been missing. Somehow the, the studies that been, you've been doing, or somehow the, 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 the studies, Bible studies that you've been looking every day, or even the studies given to you through Bible workers or pastors or even church members or even hearing in a Sabbath school class, it has not done it in your life. Your own personal studies has not done it where you came to the point that the very knowledge that you've seen has transferred into loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Is that not true? Something, something went wrong in your mind that you do not see a clear picture. Because if you truly loved him, you would truly serve him and be obedient to all of his commandments. And you would be on fire for him, and you'd be witnessing out in the community, and you'd be giving your whole life, heart, mind, and soul to winning souls for God, which is what we're called to do, beloved. Amen? And the truth that we are not is proof enough, beloved, that we do not see a God who loves us so much that we're willing to love him back with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Something's missing. Is that not true? Something's missing in our, our Christian experience. And it's a longing of the heart for something better. It's there in your heart. It's there in my heart. We're missing something. And that missing something is seeing God for who he really is. And who is he really? Verse 8 said, God is love this morning. Amen? You see, God is so much more than religious doctrines or moral regulations. The Bible says, God is love this morning. And if we're serving God with another motive rather than love, or serving others with a, another motive rather than love, then there's going to be a void within your heart. That you're missing something better. And you're going to try to fill that void with everything else in this world. Entertainment or whatever, popularity, a good job, reputation, money, whatever it may be, to try and fill that void that God has placed there for you. What are we then to do? Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. The Bible says, Behold, or see. God is saying, see what matter, manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. In other words, see. If there's a challenge that God has for this morning is that he wants you to see he wants you to see how much he really loves you. He wants you to know. For to know God is life eternal. He wants you to know him. Because if you know him, you will love him this morning, beloved. Amen? Thus you will serve him. Yes, you would witness for him. Thus you would give all your life for him. In proportion to the amount that you love him, you will serve him. And the challenge in the last days is not a people who are going to the last days because of a fear of what's going to happen in the seven last plagues, right? Not a fear of a people who fear to be punished, right? Not people just going to the motion because they know they have to, or people who hope that they're going to be blessed if they do what is right. There's going to be a movement in the last days that's going to be totally contrary to what's been gone in the past, of people who finally come to the point who truly love God with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength this morning, beloved. Amen? Truly love God. Can you honestly go before God and say, God, 
I truly love you with all of my heart, mind, and soul, and strength. Not only by my words, but by my very actions, you can see that I want to give everything possible, my whole life, to give it all to Jesus Christ, because I love him. The only motivation, there is no motivation but to love God this morning. We should not serve God out of any other reason, but because we love him this morning, beloved. Amen? There's no other reason to love him, no other reason to serve him but because we love him. And God wants a people who would truly love him this morning. Everyone has a need to love and to be loved. We were made for love, to love and be loved. And if there ever was a solution to this sin problem in this world, this is it. And it's called love this morning. For this love is what we've always been looking for. This love is how we are to get that satisfaction. This love is so much more we were meant to live for. And beloved, once you taste this love, you will long for nothing more, beloved. Amen? So this morning, if it's your desire to see God's love for you, so that you may love him and thus love others as he loves you, would you make a commitment to him by raising your hand with me this morning? Amen. I want to love him with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Oh, how I love Jesus is the song of my soul. How about you? Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is 248. Oh, how I love Jesus.